Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Thank you for being with us. Excited about being here. I know probably have a lot of people watching online. This is Labor Day weekend and people are traveling, probably not as quite as much as we normally do. Uh, but if you're traveling and, and you're kind of on vacation, I hope you had someone good to travel with. How many know who you travel with is just as important as where you're going? Have you ever traveled with the wrong person? There are things that you gotta, uh, you have to think about when you're traveling with somebody. For me, one of the big things is, is music. I'm a big music guy. I like my music. Uh, which is pretty much uh, everything before 1995. Uh, They've not made a good song since 1995, and really past 89, there wasn't a whole lot, to be honest. And uh, so, you know, I I like to have my music. One time I was going somewhere a couple years ago with my kids, and every time we stopped, when we got back on the interstate, I made them listen to Willie Nelson on the road again. (laughs) Whole song. And uh, they love that. Uh, They love that. I, I did that so that maybe they wouldn't stop as much, uh, but to be honest, I'm the one making a stop now. I'm 50 years old. I can't go an hour without pulling off on the interstate. And so, you know, that's important. You travel with somebody that has to stop a lot. Um, you know, the smells they create in the car, that's a big deal. That's something that uh, you got to think about. Or you ever travel with someone that talks too much, that doesn't understand the sign of a healthy relationship is we can drive for about three hours and not say a word because we're secure in, in who we are. And so, you know, traveling partners are important. And Jesus understood that. And of course, where Jesus was going was not a physical place. Jesus was moving towards the fulfillment of God's plan for his life. And he understood that the people he brought along with him, as we talk about this series of momentum moments in Jesus' life that translate into our life, he understood that one of the things that gave the call on his life the most momentum was those who were traveling with him. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter three, and I wanna look at this scripture. And the first word in Mark chapter three, verse 13, is afterward. So when you see afterward, you know there was a beforeword. I don't think that's a word, but I just made it up right here. And um, so you know, it's interesting, in the beginning of Mark chapter three, there's two groups of people. And I say that because that bears into what Jesus does here in verse 13. Uh, It's the first time in Mark that he begins to face opposition. In in Mark chapter 3, it says the Pharisees decided that they wanted to kill him. They were tired of his popularity. And so Jesus begins to face enemies and opposition. But there's also these crowds. Everywhere Jesus went, there were people all around him. He could barely move around and sometimes had to pull out. And so you have people that opposed him. And then you have these crowds that are just around him. And I say that because that sets the context for what Jesus does here in verse 13. It says, afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain. So he kind of got away from all of those. He went up on a mountain, and here's the key phrase, and called out the ones he wanted to go with him. I think that is a great phrase. Jesus understood between now and now, and the fulfillment of God's plan for my life, who I travel with is really important. And so Jesus got away from those who were opposing him, but he also got away from the crowds that were just around him. Jesus knew he couldn't just hang out with anybody. He couldn't just travel with anybody. Where he was going was so important, he needed the right people going with him. 
And I think even more than that, Jesus knew that where he was going was so difficult that it wasn't going to be easy, so he needed people that were just as committed as he was to the fulfillment of God's plan for their life. So he says that Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him. See how intentional he was. And it says they came to him. And then he appointed 12 of them and called them apostles. These are the disciples of the apostles that we talked about. And they were to accompany him and he would send them out to preach, give them authority to cast out demons. And these are the 12 that he chose. Now after this, there's a list and I won't read all that. I think it's interesting and you can keep that list up there. Jesus didn't choose them for who they were. He chose them for who they were going to be and their commitment to God's plan. Because just to be honest, Jesus didn't pick a bunch of winners, all right? And I could probably say the same thing about myself. You know, you look at this list, the first one on the list is Simon Peter. Now, if you don't know, Simon was a fisherman, but nowhere in the Bible does he catch any fish. Every single time you see Simon, he's out fishing, not every time, but every time he's fishing, he doesn't catch any fish till Jesus shows up and gives him a miracle. He called a fisherman who couldn't fish. Uh, he called James and John. It says here he calls them the, th the sons of thunder. I believe James and John were always getting on Jesus' nerves. Uh, as you read it, he called them the sons of thunder because they argued all the time. Does anyone have kids that argue all the time? And you just want to get, that's it's who they were. They are, not only did they argue all the time, they wanted to be the teacher's pet. They literally, go look this up, they got their mom to go to Jesus and ask if they could be in charge of all the other disciples. That's not a good way to get ahead in your career. Get your mom to go talk to your boss to see if you can get a promotion. And then one of my favorite stories, the, the last night of Jesus' life, the last supper, the Bible says, and John, who the whole time in the, in the Gospel of John calls himself the one who Jesus loved. You know all the disciples stay mad at John all the time. And, and in, the, in the last supper, the Bible says that John was actually laying on Jesus. I think Jesus got up to wash feet because he was just tired of John laying on him. He just had to get away. Hey, he, so these are the people he chose. He chose Bartholomew, who did absolutely nothing. We know nothing about Bartholomew. And so you see here that Jesus didn't choose them based on who they were and what they were doing or even their common interests. Because these 12, even among them, had very little in common. There were fishermen. There were zealots, which basically was almost like a militia type thing. There were tax collectors. What they had in common was their commitment to the call of God on their life. And Jesus understood where I'm going, what God has for me is so important that I've got to pull away from the crowds, I've got to pull away from people that are opposing me, and I'm going to call people to me, not necessarily based on our common interests their, or their common interests, but based on the fact that we have in common our commitment to God and what he's doing in our life. And I want to say this. I think this is true for each and every one of us. And this is the momentum moment that we want to talk about this morning. What God is doing in my life, what God is doing in your life is so important that you can't just travel with anybody. You, we've got to pick people in our life that are as committed to God's call on their life as we are to ours. I, I, I want to live everything that God has for me. I want to go where God wants me to go. I want to be what God wants me to be. I want to do everything that God calls me to do. And if that's going to be true, I've got to be just as intentional about the people that I choose to do life with as Jesus was. 
Because if anyone could have done it alone, it was the Son of God. And so if Jesus felt the need to kind of back up from everything and choose people to come with him, if he felt the need to do that, how much more important is it that I feel the need to do that? And look, it starts here. It's hard to be intentional about relationships when you don't feel like your life is going anywhere. And before we talk about the people that we need in our life, it's important that we talk about the direction that our life is going. Because when we don't feel like our life is going anywhere, we just choose people to make us feel good about where we are. We just choose people to make, come on, you can clap your hands for that. I hope none of you are clapping because you're like, I chose the wrong people. That was a good statement. Yeah, people need to hear that. When we don't feel like our life is going anywhere, then we just choose people to make us comfortable. We choose people to make us kind of get through the next moment, get through the next season. We don't have to be intentional. In fact, it's hard to be intentional when we don't feel like our life is going anywhere. I hope you understand and catch this morning. Every single person listening to me, whether you're here, one of our campuses, online, God has an amazing plan for your life. God created you just like he wanted you to be. God might have even brought you through some circumstances that you wish you had never gone through, but he's going to use them to help somebody else. God has positioned you, God has designed you, God has filled you with, your, with, the, with his Holy Spirit. You are going somewhere, you are called to do great things for God. That's why it's so important that we choose the right people to hang out with us. And I hope more than anything else this morning, you catch that there is nobody in God's eyes that's going nowhere. If we're going nowhere, it's because we choose and we have actually rejected God's call for our life because God has a call for every single person. You know, that's one of the reasons that we do outreach. And one of the things that I love about Healing Place Church that drew me to Healing Place Church before I was ever on staff was all of the outreach. And we don't just do outreach because we feel sorry for some hurting people out there. You know why we go to Lake Charles and cut down trees? Because we believe there are people in Lake Charles that have the call of God on their life and they may not even be saved yet. But when we go there and show them Jesus, they give their life to Jesus and they can live out the calling that God has on their life. We believe every single orphan that we feed in Africa has the call of God on their life. We believe the homeless people that we reach in North Baton Rouge and the students in North Baton Rouge that we're trying to educate and help out there. Every single outreach, it's not that we have pity on people and we just feel sorry and we want to show some compassion. We believe that every single person that God has ever created, he created with a call of greatness and glory on their life and we want to see that come to fruition. And so it's with that in mind that who we, if we're going somewhere, that who we go with is so important because it's, it, 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 it's something that we need in our life. You know, I think the two most important decisions we'll make in our life is number one, committing our life to follow God. I believe that's the most important decision that we ever make. And here's why, because that decision determines every other decision. You know, and I've said this before and I see this in my own life. I think so often I worry about all the wrong decisions. All right, like this morning, I, I don't know what you think about this. I worry about the clothes that I wore, all right, because 
I'm not real good at that, just to be quite honest. And so, you know, I got like three options and showed Ashley and you know, what I need to wear. But a lot of times, it's the smaller decisions we worry about, where we're going to work, where we're going to live, where the kids are going to go to school. Those decisions take care of themselves if we make the big decisions first. And when we make a decision that we are gonna commit our life to God, and I don't mean just a decision to start going to church or a decision to start reading our Bible a little more. I mean a decision to submit our life to the leadership of Jesus Christ that we want with all of our heart to obey him. When we make that decision, that affects every other decision in our life. You know, I, I, I love GPS, all right? I, I love when I have to go somewhere, just kind of putting that in there. And if you go on a trip, and it's, let's say it's a longer trip, GPS may tell you to take 15, 20, 25 turns, but every single one of those turns are based on the destination that you typed in on the front end. And that's why I believe choosing to commit our life to God, it's the most important decision that we'll ever make. But the second most important decision that we'll ever make is choosing others with the same commitment. I wanna choose people in my life that have the same commitment to following God that I have. Now, let me say this. That doesn't mean that you shut everyone out of your life and just kind of bunker in with two or three super Christians. Jesus had levels of relationships in his life. You know, it's interesting that one of the things Jesus got criticized the most for, the Bible called, well, the Bible says, but the Pharisees called him a friend of sinners. And they meant that in a derogatory term. Jesus hung out with a lot of bad people. Jesus was known to go to parties that were full of sinners. Jesus hung out with people that didn't care about God. And I think that's important because if we're going to reach the world, we've got to be in the world. It's not just our words that catch them. It's when people see our life over time and the peace and joy and strength that we have in Jesus Christ. Until they see that, they can never know who God is. So when we talk today about you know, who, are, who we do life with, I'm not saying that we just kind of step back and two or three really strong Christians and those are the only people we talk to. Jesus was a friend of sinners. We need to be a friend of sinners in our life. So Jesus, he was friends with people that didn't care about God, and we already talked about this. Jesus was always surrounded by a crowd. There were always lots of people that were around him. He was always in a crowd. So he's not just a friend of people who didn't care about God. I think he was around people that were interested in God. And here's the danger of spending a lot of time with people that are just kind of interested in God. It's easy to get lazy spiritually when that's the only people that you're around. Because your conversations are about God. You know, I'm out in the grocery store. Hey, you have a blessed day. God bless you, praying for you. And it just makes us feel good, but they never really challenge us in our faith. And so it's not enough that we just hang out with people that are interested in God. He was a friend of sinners. He was around the crowd. But then Jesus stepped back. We already read this. And he chose people that he wanted to go with him where he was going. We've got to be around people who are committed to God and just as committed as we are. You know, it's interesting. In Amos 3.3, it says this. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? If I'm going somewhere, I need people in my life that are going to help me get there. And we agree that the most important decision 
that we could make is to commit our life to God, and we've got that same commitment. And here's why I think this is so important. This is the environment for every decision that we make. Because not just those we hang around, but those that we allow to influence us. Those that are in our inner circle. In fact, I've never heard anybody say it better than my youth pastor when I was about 16 years old. I was about 16, got my driver's license. You know, you get that kind of freedom. And he pulled me aside and he said, you know, he called me Johnny. He said, you can be friends with anyone you want. You can be friends with lost people. And this may be kind of a central term, but he said, but they can't be your running buddies. You know what I'm talking about? Your running buddies. Who is it that you're doing life with on a daily basis? Who is it that influences you more than anyone else? The people that influence me the most, I need them to be as committed to God as I am. Because where I'm going is really important. Where I'm going may not be easy. In fact, you know, I, I thought about this, and I don't know if this is 100% true, but I think it's a good question to ask ourselves and kind of a good thought. I think we can take our spiritual temperature by those that we allow to influence us the most. That if I look around and see who are my closest friends, who do I share life with the most, how committed are they to God, I'm probably not more committed than they are. Does that make sense? And I'm not even sure that's 100% true, but I know I took time this week to kind of look at that and say, who am I allowing in my inner circle? How spiritually passionate are they? Because if I am surrounding myself and connecting myself with those who are great people, a lot of fun, would do anything for me, but are not committed to God's plan for their life, then maybe I'm not truly committed to God's plan for my life. If they don't think they're going anywhere and they're the only people I'm ever hanging around, then maybe I'm not really trying to go anywhere either. And so I think it's a good question to ask it, who is those that surrounds me? And here's why it's so important. This is the, kind of the one point for the day. I can't fulfill my God-given potential by myself. I can't fulfill my God-given potential by myself. And here's the kind of another central way to say it. Everybody needs somebody, but it can't just be anybody. Everybody needs somebody, but it can't just be anybody. Now, now, once again, I want you to catch this. This is not a spiritual elitism. This is not, I'm better than you. Get out of my house. Get out of my world. In fact, it's the opposite. God is, wants to send us out into the world. Look what he did. He called those disciples to him. But then when you read the, the next couple of verses, what did he say? And then he sent them back out into the world. This is not us retreating to just those in our small group. This is us being everything we can be so that we can make impact on the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody needs somebody, but it just can't be anybody. And so who is it that influences me the most? How hard are they pursuing God? You know, I, I don't want to allow myself to be influenced just so I can be included. And I think sometimes we do that. We, allow, we align ourselves with someone because we don't feel included by anyone else. But we don't just gravitate to those that make us feel included. We have to choose those. And, and I want to say this too. I think this is important in our world. Sometimes the people that influence us the most are not necessarily those that we know. It's a digital community. And I think we need to be aware of that. I think when we're asking all these questions about the people, the relationships in our life, we need to stop and look at what is the social media I'm allowing into my life? 
What is the cable news that I'm allowing into my life? Uh, you know, what, what is the Facebook pages? What is, what is the, the movies and Netflix and all? If we're not careful, sometimes if we take an honest evaluation, we are more influenced by people we've never met than by the people we spend time with. And that used to be something I told my kids and then I realized that's all ages. My kids are influenced by Instagram. Older people are influenced by cable news. It's, it's all the same. I think we need to look at the digital world that we're in and take a, take a look at who's influenced us there. And so it can't be just, I think there's a great example in the Bible. I never saw it this way till this week. And that is the story of Mary. In Luke chapter one, the angel comes to Mary and tells her that God is doing something amazing in her life. And you know the story, Mary was the mother of Jesus. And so the angel comes to Mary and says, God is doing something, he's doing a miracle in your life. And I want you to look at what he says there. In Luke chapter one, verse 35, it says, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. Now what was, she say, what was the angel saying there? The angel was saying, God is putting his son inside you. Now let me say this, I think in a, in a certain way, the angel would say the same thing to all of us. God is, with the power of the Holy Spirit, God is putting the message of Jesus Christ in you. And there are people that you can reach that nobody else can reach. There are people that need to see Jesus Christ in you. They need to hear it the way you say it. They need to hear your story. They need to see it activated in your life. And just like God put the Son of God in Mary, he's putting the Son of God in each and every one of us. And he is doing a miracle in our life. And just like Mary, if we receive it the right way, we, they, we think, whoa, I am not worthy. I, don't, I can't pull this off. We should feel all of that. But that doesn't mean that God's not still doing it. And so the angel came to Mary and says, God is doing something amazing in your life. But I want you to look at the second thing the angel said. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant. He's saying, look, it's not just you, it's somebody else. Your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. I don't think the angel there was just kind of reporting. This wasn't like the Christmas newsletter. Hey, I want to let you know everything that's going on. I think the angel knew that's an important piece of information that you need. That the angel was coming to Mary and say, God is doing something incredible in your life, but he's doing something in someone else and y'all need to get together. Because what God's doing in your life, you can't do alone. And there's nobody here in Nazareth or in Bethlehem that understands what's going on in your life. You need to go find Elizabeth because when y'all get together, you're going to understand each other in a way that nobody else can understand you. And look at what happens. It says, so then Mary hurried to the hill country. She didn't waste any time. She hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. Zechariah was Elizabeth's husband. He, she went to Elizabeth's house. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. Look at this. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Because God was doing in Mary what he was doing in Elizabeth, when they got together, what God was doing in Elizabeth's life got energized. And what God was doing in Mary's life got strengthened. And I don't know what God is doing in your life, but I know he's doing something. And you need someone else that when you get together, the Holy Spirit inside of you just begins to leap. 
the dream that God has put inside of you, it begins to well up and you begin to get excited and you begin to feel encouraged because you know you are someone that's speaking the same language. And all of us need this in our life. You know, both Mary and Jesus were intentional about the people they chose to do life with. If they were, how much more should we be? And so, you know, I, I thought, what do those relationships look like? What are the relationships that we need in our life? I think the first word is purpose. Relationships with purpose. Relationships with no purpose can be dangerous. We gotta be careful of that. We've got to have relationships with purpose. Someone that's gonna help me be everything that God has called me to be. Now, here's a couple practical things. I was thinking, okay, what does that look like? We need to have somebody in our life that we can talk about what God's doing in our life. Now, sometimes that's painful. God's getting us through a painful season. Sometimes it's a dream that he's placed in our life. But how many know not everybody understands that? Do we need to have somebody in our life that we can talk about what God is doing? We need to have someone in our life that we can pray with. Now, maybe ask yourself that question. Is there someone in your life that you say, can you pray with me right now? I don't mean pray for, and look, I'm, I'm, that's really important. I think prayer lists and praying for somebody and text threads, I'm not putting those down at all. And I think we probably all have somebody in our life that we say, if we put out there, hey, pray for me, this is going on, there's probably 100 people that would pray for us. But I think everybody needs at least one person that you can go to and say, will you pray with me right now about what's going on in my life? Because that relationship has purpose. And I think one of the signs of purpose is urgency. Do I have friendships in my life? They have the same urgency to obey God as I have. You ever been in a situation where you have a different urgency than someone else? It happens to me every single time I tell one of our kids to pick something up in the living room or in their room. There are just two way different versions of urgency. I want it done right now. They're not sure they want it done, but it's definitely not right now. I've got to have people in my life that have the same urgency to follow God as I have. You know, I, I told Ashley the other day, it's something I was praying about in my life, and I, I realized I had been praying about it like I had it under control. Do you ever pray for stuff like that? Lord, I, I need your help with this. I'm doing pretty good. Can you help me close the deal? Lord, can you, you know? And then a few things happened, then I realized I didn't have any control at, at, at all. And the urgency of my prayer changed. I need people in my life that understand that urgency. We need relationships with purpose in our life. And, and, and let me say this. This doesn't always mean us going and finding new people. A lot of times it's just us being intentional about taking the relationships that we already have to the next level. About sitting down with someone and say, dude, look, I know we talk about LSU football a lot and I know we talk about the weather and Hurricane Laura, um, but can we start talking about what God does in our life? Can, can we take this, man, where I'm going, I need someone to go there with me. You know, can, can we talk about, can, can you ask me some of the hard questions, things like that? It's, it's taking the relationships we have to the next level. We need relationships with purpose. We need relationships with honesty. We need someone that'll tell us the hard truth in our life. That was a bad decision. Dude, you're acting like a jerk. Man, you're, you're, you're getting lazy. 
You're, you're disobeying God. We need people in our life that will tell us the hard truths. And sometimes not just tell us the hard truths because they don't know, that will ask us the hard questions. I am thankful for people in my life that I know will ask me hard questions. So I better be living in such a way to prepare for those questions. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? I know they're gonna ask me, hey, what's going on? Are you doing this? Are you? And it's not that they even sense something, they just know human nature. They know who I am. We all need people in our life that love us enough to be honest with us. And we need to be honest with them. I think with that though, comes understanding. We need people that will be understanding. They, someone who understands where we have been and appreciates where we're going. We need that in our life. Yeah, you know, I thought about this the other day. I was driving somewhere and I saw this dude running uh, on the side of the road and, and running was a kind word. I mean, I, I can walk. My normal walking pace is faster than he was running. I mean, he was just kind of, kind of literally like, like this. And, and my thought, you know, was, was first of all, that looks miserable. Um, and secondly, dude, who are you fooling? You're just, you're just, that's a bouncing walk. You're not jogging, that's a bouncing walk. Just go ahead and, you know, walk. But here's what I thought about. I'm looking at one moment in his life. That might be his 30th mile. That might be, he might have come back from an injury and it's just a miracle that he's still moving. And I'm expecting him to live to some standard when I'm riding in an air-conditioned car. And, and look, sometimes we look at people's life or we feel like people are looking at us and they're holding us this standard and they don't understand. It's just a miracle of God that we hadn't given up yet. It's a miracle of God that we're still moving forward. And we need people in our life that understand that because we'll tend to beat ourselves up about the pace that we're going and the things we're not doing and you know, be honest about the mistakes we make but also say, man, you have come so far. Man, don't give up now. We need those understanding relationships in our life. And, and the last thing we need in our life, we need forgiveness. We need relationships that will bring us forgiveness. We need people that will forgive us when we make a mistake but I think even more important than this, we need people that will lead us to God's forgiveness because we're all gonna need it. And when we talk about this illustration of where we're going, it is almost impossible to move forward without forgiveness in our life. Unforgiveness will stop the plans of God for our life, I think more than anything else. Unforgiveness in our heart or when we can't accept God's forgiveness. And we need relationships in our life. And here's the thing, that know us enough to know when they need to forgive us or they need to lead us to God's forgiveness. So with that in mind, what relationships do you need to engage in? I think I thought about that this week. Look, what relationships is it that I need? Because where I'm going, what God is doing in my life is so important. What relationships do I need to take to the next level? Do I need to engage with? And, and, and to be really practical right now, if you're married, this needs to be your spouse. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I have that. We talked about that last night. If you're married, I, I think one of the best, a marriage that has purpose, honesty, understanding, and forgiveness is hard to mess up. I think it's so important. And because, you clap your hands for that. 
And there may be couples that need to have conversations tonight. If you're married, this needs to be your spouse. And I would say this, your spouse plus one other person of the same sex, all right? Your spouse plus somebody else. If you're a guy, you need another guy in your life because sometimes you need to pray about your marriage. If you're a girl, you need another girl in your life. If you're single, you need to find people that can be this in your life. I think it is so important that we find these relationships that we can engage in. But what keeps us from doing that? We all know, truthfully, everything I've said today, you probably already knew. Maybe a couple Bible facts, but other than that, I haven't said anything astounding. We all know, it's like everything else, you know, saving money, losing weight. We all know what to do, but the truth is we don't always do it. What are the obstacles to that? Here have been the obstacles in my life. The first obstacle to these relationships is pride. I don't wanna say that I need somebody else. I wanna do it all by myself. But here's what I found out. When I do it by myself, I tend to mess things up. I, I tell, you know, we were just moving and, and I'm not used to having nice things in my house, all right? And so when Ashley and I got married, um, all of her stuff came into the house and all of my stuff went on Facebook Marketplace, you know? Because my standard was if the dog hadn't peed on it, it's good. I found out that doesn't last. And so she had all this nice furniture and I was moving in the house. She was saying, you know, don't you need help with that? I don't need help with that. Look at these guns. I know I'm not the bishop of biceps. I felt like me and a dolly, I broke half the stuff we have. Scratched it up, put stuff on top of it. And all I had to do was ask for somebody just to grab the other side. Sometimes relationally, it is so hard for us, someone to say, can, can you just help me? Can you help me lift the weight in my life? For me, it's almost impossible. And, and here's the thing. And sometimes it's pride because I don't want to let anybody in. I mean, I love Sundays. I dress up, I fix my hair, smile all day. You guys don't know that I have any problems. Walk out, man, Pastor Johnny, he's got it all together. I let, can we keep it that way? But if I let somebody into my life, start telling the junk that's really going on, the things that I've messed up, ah, it's so hard. And so even though we all know, yes, right, I need purpose and understanding, and man, where I'm going, I need to align with the right people. Ooh, I gotta have honest conversation. Pride keeps us from doing that, but we can't. Pride, in fact, Proverbs says this, pride comes before destruction. Pride comes before destruction. I don't want destruction. And I'm gonna tell you, I've seen that in people's lives. I've seen people that were holier, smarter, everything than I was and wrecked their lives because they couldn't involve anybody else in the process. I think pride, here's for me too, comfort. I don't want anybody telling me I gotta change anything. Hey, you know, there's some things in my life, I know there are issues, but I like my issues. I like doing that. I'm too lazy to change my attitude in that respect. Man, there's just some things I don't want anyone calling me out on because it's so hard to change. And if you don't know it, then you can't ever call me out. I've always felt like, you know, we always say, man, I would love to see Jesus in person. But when you saw Jesus in person, he tended to ask some pretty tough questions. And I sometimes feel sorry for the people in the Bible that the only difference between me and them that, that rejected God, and the only difference between me and them is God asked them in front of, Jesus asked them in front of everyone if they would change their life. And for me, he just does it in my heart. So if I say no, none of you ever know. And, and sometimes I don't want to gauge in relationships because I've become comfortable in my life. And maybe honestly, I don't want to do what it takes 
to live God's call for my life. I love to talk about it. And, and let's be even honest, there may be even some sin in my life that I've decided I enjoy that sin. And I don't want to bring anybody in because they might call me out on it and tell me to give it up. I think pride. I think comfort. And here's the other thing. Worthlessness. I think there's people here today, maybe someone watching in a campus or online, that you don't feel like God's doing anything in your life. And you don't think God loves you enough to do something, and you don't think anyone else would ever see the value of investing in you. You don't, you don't feel like there's there. And here's what that happens. That separates us from a spiritual lifeline. That worthlessness, that sense that God, I've, I've messed up so bad that nobody would ever wanna join with me with where they're going. And that's not true. I love this verse. It's in Philippians chapter one. And I've, I've, I've quoted verse six a ton. And just this week, I saw the context that it was in. Paul says this. He says, I am certain, and this is a word for somebody today. I want you to hear this like Paul is talking to you. I am certain, not I think, I am certain that God, who began a good work in you, within you, will continue his work, and I'll add, in spite of all the mistakes that we've made, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day of Christ Jesus. And I can't tell you how many people I've said that to when they felt like, man, it's just not going well, I think I'm gonna fail. Man, Paul said that God who began a good work in you will continue it to the day of Christ Jesus. But I never kept reading. I mean, look what Paul follows it up in the context of relationship. He said, so it is right that I should feel as I do about you. For you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning or watching this morning, and you just feel like God's not doing anything special in me, so nobody's ever really gonna really wanna connect with me. I want you to know two things. God is doing a work with you that he will finish. And someone else longs for you with the tenderness of Jesus Christ. You're not worthless. God sees worth in you and someone else does. And here's why that's so important. Because sometimes it's hard to know how God feels about us unless someone with flesh says it. We just need someone to wrap their arms around us, to look us in the eye, say, I love you, I believe in you, and I'm with you. And if you're here this morning, or again, watching at a campus or online this morning, and you've not engaged in important relationships because you don't really feel like you're worth it. You don't really feel like God's doing anything special. Maybe you feel like you've made such bad mistakes that he can never do anything special again. And if God's not doing anything special in your life, why would you wanna join your life with people in whom God is doing that? And I wanna tell you that is a lie of the devil. God is doing something special in your life. Maybe what he's doing is bringing you through this season where you do feel worthless so you can minister to someone else who does. And there are people that God is putting in your life. If God put people around Jesus, you know he's putting people around us. They're gonna help us get where God wants us to go. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. 
For more information about HPC, visit HealingPlaceChurch.org.